Welcome to the RE Podcast, the first dedicated RE podcast for students and teachers. Episode 2. The one where religions are bad. My name is Louisa Jane Smith and this is the RE Podcast, the podcast for those of you who think RE is boring, which it is, and I'll prove it to you. In the last episode, we explored the question of whether humans are inherently good or bad. Remember the word inherently means by nature. This week, we are going to be asking the same question about religion. Are they inherently good or bad? Now, some of you listening might think that religions are generally good. Others might think religions are evil. Some of you might not have any idea either way or think they're all a bit of both. Richard Dawkins has become one of the most famous atheists of all time. We came across him in the last episode when I mentioned his 1976 book, The Selfish Gene. 30 years later, in 2006, he made a two-part documentary called The Root of All Evil. Its purpose? To express his belief that religion is the root of all evil. And he spends two hours revealing evidence to support this hypothesis. This then became the basis of his international bestseller, a book called The God Delusion, released in the same year. In that year, it was ranked second on the Amazon bestsellers list. And as of September 2014, it had sold over 3 million copies. Some of you may have heard of the documentary or book or both. Some of you may have watched or read them. Or you might be today years old when they entered your consciousness. But certainly... Many people are aware of them and are convinced by the conclusions. But in any case, what are your thoughts? Do you think religion is the root of all evil? Is belief in a delusion responsible for all the evil in the world? Let's explore this together. On the surface, religions seem to be good and moral. Christianity teaches love and forgiveness. The Bible says, love your neighbour, do good to those who persecute you, treat others the way you want to be treated. The word Islam means peace. Islam is a religion of humility before Allah. Buddhism believes in right actions and in avoiding harm to others. Sikhism teaches service to others. Judaism has 613 commandments to ensure Jews live a life that pleases God. This includes not stealing, not lying and not killing. But is this all a smokescreen to something more sinister underneath? Or is it just humans misinterpreting or openly ignoring their religious teachings? There is no doubt that religious people have been responsible for horrific acts. From the Crusades in the 11th and 12th centuries, to the child abuse cover-up scandal of the church in the 60s and 70s, to the 9-11 terrorist attack on the Twin Towers in 2001. So what's going on? Well, let's first explore Richard Dawkins' main argument. I'm going to read a quotation from his book, The God Delusion. It has a few words in it you might not know the meaning of. I'm not entirely sure I can pronounce them correctly, but I think you'll get the gist. Here we go. The God of the Old Testament is arguably the most unpleasant character in all fiction. Jealous and proud of it. A petty, unjust, unforgiving control freak a vindictive, bloodthirsty ethnic cleanser, a misogynistic, homophobic, racist, infanticidal, genocidal, filicidal, pestilential, megalomaniacal, sadomasochistic, capriciously malevolent bully. Well, he doesn't pull his punches, does he? Is he correct? 
or you decide. Yes, there are stories in the Bible where God asks fathers to give their daughters to strangers for their sexual pleasure so that they won't rape anyone. The Bible states that homosexuality is an abomination. There are parts which condone slavery. There are accounts where God unleashes illness, starvation and death on the Egyptians, where he asks Abraham to kill his son, where he forbids people to worship anyone but him. And he's created a set of Ten Commandments that doesn't ban rape or child abuse. So not a great start so far. But this is the Old Testament, I hear you cry. The New Testament is much nicer. Except it isn't. The first four books of it centres around the life, torture and death of an innocent man, as ordained by God. It also says things like, Wives, obey your husbands. And women, you should be silent in church. And warns unbelievers that when they die, they will go to a place where they will be in eternal torment. This is what the Bible says. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulphur. It's essentially saying that if you don't believe, you're just as bad as people who murder. And look at what Christianity has inspired people to do. While the Holocaust wasn't caused by Christians per se, many in the German churches supported it because they saw the Jews at having condemned Jesus to death, even though the whole of Christianity is based on Jesus' death. So maybe Dawkins has a point. He actually goes as far as to call a religious upbringing child abuse. But this is just Christianity. Just one religion, albeit the biggest one in the world. What about other religions? I think the media have done quite a thorough job documenting Islamic terrorist acts. But Buddhism seems nice, right? I mean, they just meditate and they've never started any wars, they've never hurt anyone in the name of their religion, right? Or have they? One of the most violent acts a Buddhist ever undertook was to set fire to himself as a protest. Sure, this didn't physically harm someone else, but still demonstrates that even Buddhists are capable of doing horrific acts. Buddhism teaches no harm to any living thing. Some even wear masks so they don't harm bacteria. See, wearing masks, very ahead of the trend. But the religion still seems to inspire violent acts. Throughout history, Buddhists have enacted violence on communists during the 1970s in Thailand, against Muslims, look up the 969 movement in Burma, and even killed people for drawing a picture of Buddha bowing to a Hindu god. But let's unpack this a little bit further. If we take history's most extreme acts, then we could condemn any group of people. We could use Hitler to condemn Germany or men with moustaches. We could use Myra Hindley to condemn women. We could use Harold Shipman to condemn all doctors. Also, as we discovered in the last podcast, good news doesn't sell papers. So every day of every year, religions are responsible for untold kindness and selflessness. Let me give you some examples. I'm sure you've heard of Mother Teresa, who lived a life of absolute poverty to support people in the slums of Calcutta. You've heard of Martin Luther King, who risked and eventually lost his life to campaign for equality and the end of segregation. But did you know 
that British Muslims opened their mosques for free tea and cake following the 7-7 bombings. Or that every night local religious people are on the streets supporting homeless people, raising money and awareness and forming charities. Not only that, but religion has been responsible for some of the greatest pieces of art, literature and music in history. The Sistine Chapel, Mozart's Requiem, Handel's Messiah, Holt's Planets. I've lost count of the number of times I've heard that piece of music in movies. Even the Bible is the biggest selling book of all time. Look, I'm not trying to provide an argument that religious people are more moral than non-religious. Non-religious people are just as wonderful as I suggested in the last podcast. I'm just suggesting that there are counter-arguments to the idea that religion is the root of all evil. Okay, okay, what about wars, I hear you cry? Aren't most wars about religion? Well, the Israel-Palestine conflict is almost certainly religiously based. Jews think Israel belongs to them as God gave it to them, but Muslims claim they were there first and God had no right to give it away. Also, the Northern Ireland conflict between Catholics and Protestants has religious overtones. Catholics want Northern Ireland to be part of the Republic Island with the Pope as its spiritual head, whereas Protestants want it to be part of the United Kingdom with the English monarch as its spiritual head. Kashmir, should it belong to India, predominantly Hindu, or Pakistan, which is predominantly Muslim. The Crusades, Islamic terrorists. Yes, there are examples of where religion is caught up with or is the direct cause of conflict. However, with all these examples, it's not as simple or clear-cut as it might appear. There are Irish Catholics who want to remain part of the UK. Protestants who want to become part of the Republic of Ireland. Non-religious Irish that also have views. There are Jews who do not want to claim Israel as theirs, particularly if it involves violence. And there are beautiful stories of the friendship between Jews and Muslims in this area. Deep bonds of kindness and mutual respect. Furthermore, many Muslim extremists know very little about Islam as a religion. What seems to underpin all these violent acts is often not religion, but brother and sisterhood. The need to protect and stand together with those you love. As we saw in the last episode, it is friendship that many German soldiers cited as their reason for fighting. And remember the babies that stayed loyal to the toy that was like them, even when it did the wrong thing. Actually, in reality, most religious people in the world condemn any act of violence done in the name of that religion. We also have to look at the number of wars and violent acts done in the name of other things other than religion. For example, land. The First and Second World War, the Hundred Year War, the Gulf War, civil wars like America or Syria, wars of revolution like the American War of Independence or the French Revolution, wars about power like the English Civil War, wars about ideology. So both the Korean and the Vietnamese wars were essentially about capitalism versus communism. Wars about money or revenge or defence. And more recently, wars caused by climate change. Let's look at Syria. A 10-year drought caused farmers in rural areas to lose their livelihoods. They had to move to the cities. The government did absolutely nothing to help and so there was an uprising among the young generation to which the response from the government was to punish them with torture and this ultimately led to a civil war. And if this wasn't bad enough, ISIS came along and made things worse by hunting down and killing Shia Muslims for good measure. We maybe also have to recognise that it is possible 
that the cause of war suggested to the public isn't always the real reason for the war. The Iraq war might be a good example of this. Was it about Iraq having secret weapons of mass destruction? Or was it that they were controlling much-needed resources of oil? Also, remember, we sold many weapons to Iraq and Iran, so we personally, financially profited from this war. This could mean that even if a conflict appears to be about religion on the surface, that may not be the reason, or certainly not the whole reason. I am no expert on war, but it does appear that religion is not a major cause of conflict. And if we were to put the blame on anything, it could be ownership. If no one owned anything, then there would be no wars, as it was for the majority of human existence before we started owning land. And yet, no one has successfully made an argument that ownership is the root of all evil. Someone once said that if we woke up tomorrow and religion did not exist, then we would just find something else to fight about. History appears to support that. We could list endless religious teachings that are fundamental to providing a more beautiful world. Sua is an idea in Sikhism which means service, and it inspires them to open their gurdwara once a week to provide free food from their langa, their kitchen, to anyone who visits. The Golden Rule, a teaching of Jesus, which says you should treat others the way you want to be treated, is actually the basis of humanist teachings today. Muslim means submission in Islam and it reminds them that they should be humble. The middle way is a concept in Buddhism warning against the consequences of extremes in your life, whether it is food or work or money. Well, let's try something out. What if religion did not exist? What would be the positives of that? If you are thinking that there would be no wars, we seem to have demonstrated that that probably isn't going to be true. What would be the negatives? Remember that religion is a great source of hope, meaning, morality, community, kindness, artistic impression. I could go on. If this is all a little bit too speculative, then consider your own personal and direct experience with religious people. On the whole, did they seem evil? In conclusion, I am not a religious person. I remain agnostic about the existence of God. Agnostic simply means not knowing. But I do not think that religion is the root of all evil. Religion remains an inspiration in my life, whether it is the service of Sikhism or the humility of Islam or the golden rule of Christianity or the middle way of Buddhism. But what do you think? I would really value your thoughts, opinions, feedback and questions, so please leave them in the show notes below. Next week, I will be interviewing a Christian. In fact, he is my dad, Tony Smith. He would call himself a born-again Christian. We will discuss his dramatic conversion from atheism to Christianity, why he believes God exists, the difference Christianity has made in his life, and his opinion on some controversial beliefs within Christianity like sex before marriage, evolution, homosexuality, sin and the idea of hell. I'm going to ask him to give his opinion on whether he thinks humans are inherently good or bad. We have very opposing views, so be prepared for some heated debates. And yes, I use the word inherent again. I went against my word. I am essentially a bad person. Well, at least this time you know what it means. 
I am Louisa Jane Smith. This has been the RE Podcast, a podcast for people who think RE is boring, which it is. I just proved it. But thank you so much for listening to me bore the life out of you.